At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. For Tuesday, June the 8th, 2021, it's The Brief from WABE News. I'm Jim Burris. A suspected Baltimore gang leader has died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound after a three-hour standoff with police. The U.S. Marshal Service says officers were shot at while trying to arrest Gary Creek at a Sandy Springs apartment complex. Police tied the 39-year-old Creek to multiple murders in the Baltimore area and say he was wanted on federal charges, including racketeering. Three hostages he'd held inside were released without injury. High school students in Atlanta public schools will not have to get to school earlier this year after all. WABE's Martha Dalton reports there will be schedule changes, but older students will start the day a bit later. Originally, Atlanta Public Schools said high schoolers would begin the day at 745, 45 minutes earlier than usual. But parents and students objected, citing medical evidence that said teenagers shouldn't start school that early. Superintendent Lisa Herring announced the new changes at a board meeting this week. The bell schedule will be as follows. Elementary school starting at 745 a.m. to 245 p.m. High school. 8.45 a.m. to 3.45 p.m., changed from 8.30 to 3.30 p.m., and middle school, 9.15 a.m. to 4.15. Only elementary students will have a longer school day, attending class for an extra 30 minutes each day. Martha Dalton, WABE News. And this note of disclosure, the Atlanta Board of Education holds WABE's broadcast license. While the U.S. works to get as many people vaccinated against COVID-19 as possible, some countries don't even have doses to deliver. That could mean a prolonged pandemic for everyone, says Julie Rosenberg. She's with the Global Health Delivery Project at Harvard University. On today's Did You Wash Your Hands? WABE's podcast about the coronavirus. Health reporter Sam Whitehead speaks with Rosenberg about the global state of the pandemic. Their conversation starts with Rosenberg outlining the current pace of the vaccine rollout. You know, I think vaccination has given us access to hope. It's given us protection. And in many parts of the world, they're not getting access to vaccines. In Africa, there are about two doses per 100 people. Many countries there haven't even started vaccinating. There are a number of countries in Africa that are experiencing what many think is a third wave. There's devastation in so many parts of the world that it can almost be overwhelming to think about. There are 12,000 people dying every day from the pandemic. And in many places, nothing has changed since the start besides the number of deaths going up and up. So it's, it's a very grim situation. Maybe just lay out for me kind of the state of the aid that U.S. is giving to other countries to help them fight this. 
the things that you think are potentially most impactful? When we think about what the U.S. is doing now, I think it's good and we can do a lot better. You know, the incrementalism, the little bits of aid here, little bits there, you know, giving our excess doses here and there is not enough. We really need kind of much more proactive voluntary collaboration and cooperation at every level of the system and investments in public health infrastructure. You know, the U.S. is slated to, I think, give around a billion doses by the end of this year to help other countries. That's simply not enough when we think about the size of the populations. What we need to do is is help other countries develop uh, manufacturing capacity, set up healthcare systems, and really kind of begin to support the infrastructure that will allow other places to take care of their populations. What is your sense as to why the U.S. is not doing more abroad? Political leaders have a moral obligation to take care of their own people first in many ways. You know, Biden has made tremendous progress in terms of rolling out vaccinations across the U.S. and, you know, rejoining the World Health Organization. But he has the whole country to be accountable to. And I think we as citizens really need to demand that we take care of others as well. One thing that I have wondered is how people who kind of work in the global public health space think about the best ways to argue to the public that the United States should be helping out more abroad. We've heard a lot over the course of this pandemic about what the U.S. has on the line with regards to helping other countries as a way to help ourselves. Should that be the argument that needs to be made? Should the argument just be we should help other countries for the good of all humanity? There are many, many reasons why we should be helping others, not just because it's a good thing or a right thing to do. I really think that that is what the evidence tells us is the way to get out of this pandemic. For example, for every $1 spent on helping others, um, wealthier countries would get back about $4.80 in terms of the avoided economic costs. So we have the economic argument. We know what the science shows, that if there's virus circulating anywhere, um, we're all at risk. So I would say equity is important on many fronts, um, not just for moral and ethical reasons. Julie Rosenberg helps run the Global Health Delivery Project at Harvard University. She was speaking with health reporter Sam Whitehead. You can find more of their conversation in the latest episode of Did You Wash Your Hands? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A cargo ship carrying ash left over from a coal-fired power plant in Puerto Rico ran aground near Jacksonville, Florida in March. It was on its way to a landfill in Charlton County, Georgia, near the state line. To date, salvage crews report removing 4,000 tons of ash from the barge. That leaves almost 8,000 tons unaccounted for. In May, the barge shifted, and officials say an unknown amount leaked into the water. The Environmental Protection Agency does not classify coal ash as hazardous waste, Sydney Bowles is an editor covering this story for public radio station WJCT in Jacksonville. Bowles says some of the experts she's spoken to are worried. 
see phytoplankton pick up some of this coal ash and then small fish eating the little fish. And then eventually that winds up in our food system. It can also just smother the bottom communities in these oceans, regardless of sort of the quantity of toxic material that's in coal ash, which is debated. Even just having this amount of material could smother small life forms that are a critical part of the coastal ecosystem. A local newspaper in Puerto Rico found an increase in unexplained health consequences in communities where coal ash was unsafely dumped. A 2020 investigation by WABE News shows as much as 1.3 million tons of ash had been dumped at a private landfill in Charlton, enough that the waste disposal fees make up the county's second highest source of revenue. Well, murals can often define a neighborhood in Atlanta, expressing the history and culture of the place. In the Adair Park area, southwest of downtown, residents are hoping to set themselves apart with the creation of a towering mural designed by one of their own. Emil Moffitt reports. Thinking of how to capture the essence of his neighborhood and the park itself, George F. Baker III summons some childhood memories. The inspiration behind the design pretty much came from all my experiences of uh, growing up here and then being around this park and, you know, playing basketball, seeing people play baseball, seeing the skateboarders coming through. And now these scenes of children playing are painted on the face of an old brick building on the side of a hill. They surround the words Adair Park scrawled in massive letters in the center of the design. The mural is nearly half the length of a football field and three stories tall. It took Baker and two assistants an entire weekend to paint. He says he hopes the neighborhood will take pride in it. No matter what colors that you're putting up there, no matter the shapes and sizes, as long as it has the intention and the belief that the community wants to express, you got a good mural. And in Atlanta, where neighborhood identity is big, it will have an impact, says Jay Lawrence Miller, who leads the neighborhood group Adair Park today. One of the goals for Adair Park is to be Adair Park. We've existed since 1892, and sometimes we're thought of as West End. We're not West End. We are a historic Adair Park. This is really puts us on the map again. He says the neighborhood is known for its porch parties and watching out for its seniors and those in need during the pandemic. The mural is just one step, he says. In another corner of the park, they'll soon be starting one of Atlanta's largest community gardens. Emil Moffat, WABE News. This is WABE News. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnebarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E. Hey, y'all. I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from W-A-B-E. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians, and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at wabe.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm-hmm. W-A-B-E.